Dane Fife returns to the Breslin much like he left it, taking an L. It's a happy Tuckerversary, and you're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, as always, by the man who was too lazy to write his own copy for his own intro, Kevin Grek. Grek, how you doing, buddy? Nobody writes my copy. Nobody. All right? My, the aura of me shines through, and that's my introduction. Uh, Thank you very much. In a distinctly audio format. Yes. Shining. Truly, it must be seen to be believed. Uh, Well... Uh, we are uh, sans plum, no surprise, uh, other commitments on a Sunday. And so our fine listeners are le- left with those who are truly committed to the can't read, can't write life. Yeah, we are not watching the end of the Super Bowl right now. It's on. Uh, I have it here in a tab, but it does not get my direct attention. You and uh, I, you and I are having a moment here. We're recording we, a podcast. We are. Can't read, this, can't is, write. this is special. This is special. Mm-hmm. Um, and true, true podcast hosts, uh, arrive on the day of the week that is preordained. Yeah. Uh, thank you folks for listening. Uh, if we could ask a small favor, please share the pod with Spartans in your life, rate review and subscribe wherever you get podcasts and follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod and on Instagram at Spartan underscore pod. And of course, if you want to reach out, uh, you can do that on either of those platforms or email us at can't read, can't write 1855 at gmail.com. Greg, uh, I think we're playing this one fast and loose, right? But sure, uh, do you want to give, uh, give folks a rundown of maybe how we'll structure the show today? Well, you know, whatever whatever changes we make, whatever things we shift around, we begin with the green wall and the sport that always leads the football. Uh, but from there, there were two games that happened this week in basketball with drastically different outcomes. And then uh, we are actually going to cover, I think, some other sports here on campus. Um, from there, we'll probably not go off Grand River because who cares? Um, <laughs> so we'll preview a couple of games and then we'll take your Twitter questions. It's back this week, everyone. <laughs> now that you've told them that they can participate. Yeah. <laughs> now that it's back. Now uh, that it's back. All right. So, yes, let's head behind the green wall and the, indeed the sport that always leads. Uh, it is... Uh, a happy Tuckerversary, as I said. It is year two, uh, or two years officially run of the Mel Tucker era. Um, I We don't have to spend a ton of time here. Uh, I just thought it was worth acknowledging because it, it kind of felt like a first year this time around. I, I mean... That was the narrative at the beginning of the season, right? Like, but like this it, is and Tucker's then, true first year. Yeah, and and I know, it, but like I'm I'm just thinking back on it about how much that that COVID year really felt like a lost year. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, you know, we'll have some great memories from that year, but and we'll have some not great memories <laughs> from that year. I've already forgotten them uh, because it was either winning or constantly fearing for my life. Uh, so <laughs> that was 2021 in a nutshell. Uh, but. You know, uh, Kevin, we've we've got some coaching news, but it it does feel like there's a bit of a a, a trajectory there. You know, it is interesting. The offseason is not as dead as uh, you might have experienced in years past. 
sure. momentum is being gained. And so I'm excited to see what year three has in store for us. Well, I, I think that's just in the nature of this program now. It's much more outward. It's much more social media savvy. I mean, things were going on with those D'Antonio teams. They were having, you know, spring practices. They were doing recruiting. Is it a, it's a dead time right now for basketball, but is it for football as well? I don't even yes. know. Um, yeah. So oh. uh, that's just the nature of this program. You're more invested. You're more a part of it the whole time. And I mean, as we're going to outline, um, there are some coaches that are new to the program that are keeping things like very active and in the news right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I even enjoy the, the little videos that they put out of like the weight room stuff they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like it, it is, it is, it is fun. It, it's at least content for people who put out content, right? Like it, it is, it is cool to see that, that trying to keep you engaged with the football team year round. Um, and so if nothing else, that is a sea change from where we were. Mm-hmm. And if, and when we lose Mel Tucker as a coach, uh, well, when we lose Mel Tucker as a coach, however that may come, uh, it is going to be fascinating to see if, if there, that wholesale change sticks yeah, because I disagree. Mel Tucker is we'll a never die. <laughs> Mel Tucker is immortal. There may be a quickening at one point during one of the games, like halftime. Uh, but Mel Tucker will prevail and will be the end, uh, will be the head coach of Michigan State football until the end times. I love it. I'm very happy about it. But mm-hmm. speaking of coaches, let's talk about a new one. Uh, someone we talked about on the pod uh, as a the word on the street is, but it is now official. Marco Coleman uh, is officially the defensive line coach and run game coordinator. Um, Grabbed from Virginia Tech, correct? Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, pardon me. Uh, which not just was where he was employed, it was also his alma mater. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, which is a big get. I presumably people don't just go leaving their their alma mater, you know, willy nilly. Uh, so this is very exciting. It's also very exciting that uh, now now we've had a coach that we've kind of known was added to the program and acknowledged by that program. In a, in, in a more timely fashion. Yeah, in only like a couple of weeks <laughs> instead of the three months or whatever it is that it usually takes. Yeah. Uh, so for those who maybe aren't quite as familiar with Marco Coleman, um, he is a uh, he's a Hall of Famer in the Georgia Tef- Tech uh, Athletics Department. Uh, he's a two-time first-team All-American, um, and he played 14 seasons in the NFL. Um after yeah, after his Hall of Fame year or Hall of Fame career at Georgia Tech, including um, for the Miami Dolphins, which got him featured um, in the major major motion picture Ace Ventura, which is the most important thing in all of this. Yes, uh, I was going to say that um, you know also drafted number twelve overall. Um, let's but, it, let's talk about does Ace Ventura uh, hold up, Michael? <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> I'd go so far as to say that it really wasn't that good at the time either. Um, but, but it's not that kind of podcast. So, uh, I don't know, man. the, the joke do not go in there was the pinnacle of comedy for me as a like six or seven year old. Um, and I'm ho- so happy you've grown. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've really matured since then. Uh, Definitely would not be funny today. Uh, I do. I, I think this level of NFL experience is particularly compelling when you combine that with, you know, the the hire of Brandon Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my understanding is Marco Coleman's a pretty, pretty good recruiter himself. And, you know, this should be this should be a nice add to the staff, certainly a, a proven player with a, a decent coaching career behind him, uh, including at uh, at the NFL level um, and, you know, is able to able to connect with players in a way that, uh, you know, they continue to have a sort of diverse set of age ranges on the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and this will be this is a nice pickup. Yeah, um, but I also it, it made me think that. I know we've talked about Brandon Jordan plenty, but there are a couple things that came out on social media in the what the last week. Yeah, you we want to talk about a guy that's generating heat. Yeah, good. So, Lord. already throwing clips out there of of NFL players in the practice facility at MSU working out with the Spartan logo in the background. He's holding a camp for NFL players in East Lansing, I, like. I can't, I just I can't underscore how big of a hire this is from a, a buzz perspective. Which, when you're talking about trying to to attract talent that hopes to go to the next level, this is a big deal. Just having NFL guys in the building, just hanging out, and not because they went to MSU. That happens at every like if you're a four star player, you're gonna go to building after building after building that's going to have ex-alumni was just here. These are guys from all different teams across the entire league coming to East Lansing for the explicit purpose of working with this guy. So it this is this seems like a coup type of hire. Yeah, I forget who was talking about this. Um, I was listening to someone else talk about it, but just how hilarious it is that LSU had him and and wouldn't give him a coaching job yeah wanted to keep him on as a as a uh, an analyst an analyst right and like just how short-sighted you have to be like Mm -hmm. i just it is is truly baffling um and especially these days when the line between coach and analyst is so blurred that just being (laughs) able being able to have this guy talk to recruits at times when analysts are not allowed to talk to recruits is the whole thing. Yeah. I I don't know how to evaluate Mr. Jordan as a coach. Like we we just aren't going to have that level of information, but being able to have him talk to recruits the entire recruiting period when analysts cannot do that. To me, that's the entire point of having him. But also Kevin, I would suggest, we probably can evaluate Brandon Jordan as a coach. Yeah. Because we can say based on the development, literally the best in the business go to him for development based on the development, based on that kind of stuff. Um, for sure. We'll see how this works out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think to tie it back to Marco Coleman, right? Like in Marco Coleman, you're, you're getting a guy who, who can coach a position group. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a lot of, there's a ton of value in that in terms of how, you're running you're running your program. Mm-hmm. The Brandon Jordan hire seems a lot more to do with 
teaching individual skills. Mm-hmm. And and those are, it, do you what I'm saying that those are two separate sort of core yes. responsibilities? That's what I was trying to get at, but you're articulating much better than I am because I'm thinking about all the best parts of Ace Ventura and Ace Ventura <laughs> when, when nature calls, of course, as well. Naturally. Uh, so anyway, it, I just it, like, I don't think this is the last time we're going to talk about Brandon Jordan making waves and, and cons- considering that you see him come in and land a four star like in week two of 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 the the job it, you know it he, there's a lot of reasons to feel really excited and i think to double down on that when we look at the separation between msu or really any any big 10 school other than ohio state and the teams that are competing at the national championship level so much of it is performance at the line mm-hmm. And because I, I think the skill players we had at, at Michigan State last year were more than good enough to go head to head with the skill players at Georgia. Mm. I mean, OK, Stenson Bennett was. Uh, like an, 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 a nobody, I don't mean to disparage it, he went and won a natty, right? But like, I'll take Peyton Thorne. That's fine. I don't need Stenson Bennett. Mm-hmm. I'd take Ken Walker against any one of the, the running backs that they had at Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. And. And That's our wide true. receiver core is pretty great, but okay. like the lines is, is where we are so far apart. And so Jordan coming in, being able to pick up a, a recruit that is at least projected to be of that caliber. Um, that's big. Yeah. So very, very exciting things that are also exciting in recruiting. Uh, yeah. there's been an addition for this year and I don't, I don't know how much we want to get into like, oh, I should. think we should celebrate this young man for for his commitment and not yes. really talk about the other stuff but bo edmondson is well i think we can talk about the other stuff while still celebrating bo edmondson i think those things aren't mutually exclusive so bo, bo edmondson is our 2023 for the moment uh quarterback yes he is out of the uh lone star state uh with let's see let's well, not let's... just out of the lone star state he plays at lake travis um which is an Austin suburb yep. and is of the highest class of Texas football. It's one of those Texas football places. That's like basically low end college football already. Yeah, He, he plays in enough in front of enough people that he won't blink about playing at Spartan stadium. Yeah. Um, so we, we talk so much about the offer list. We talk about the, the recruiting peer group and there's some uh, there's some relevant ones in here. You've got your Oklahoma States, you got your Penn States, you got your Purdue's, um, you got your broke, you got your broke buffs. They're in here. Um, Utah, Utah. So this is, I mean, this is solid. Houston. West Virginia offer in here. Kentucky, Houston. Yep. Uh, fairly solid. Uh, fairly solid group. Six three one ninety five. Um, and uh, very exciting. Very exciting. I, yeah, I, I, also, I also think we should mention that his rank currently, first of all, he's the 22nd best quarterback in the class according to the 24-7 composite rankings. Mm-hmm. His, his rank currently as a sort of national player, if you will, is like 200 spots higher than Kaiten Hauser's was at this point in time in his career. So as much as people were you know, really excited about Kaiten Hauser and for really good reasons, um, there's a lot that can change over the course of the next year, particularly summer as, as, uh, kids are going to camps. Mm-hmm. So you watch his tape, dude delivers a nice ball. 
stays in the pocket, takes a hit, has a quick release. Like there's a lot to like about his play. Um, it's a, it's a really big pickup that by all accounts, you know, I think Kevin, I think you have to acknowledge that like the reality of recruiting here, because I, I, I think this is worth saying in celebration of Bo. Lots of kids get offers. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that all the staffs that give them offers are ready to take that commitment. Right. That's yeah. When we go over the list, we kind of treat it as if these are all committable offers. But of course the truth is that there are offers and then there are committable offers and then there are like rescinded offers. And well, so I, why I'm bringing this up is because it is, it is known that there's a five-star quarterback in the state of Michigan that Michigan state's in on. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we can ignore that fact, but what I am saying is that the staff was willing to take Bo Edmondson's commitment. Mm-hmm. And that tells you a lot about their evaluation of his talent. And remember, this was a staff that picked up a quarterback that we're all very excited about having joined Michigan State, who was, again, not ranked this high at the time that they put out their offer. Right. right. So, like, you, it's, I think we, we think Mel Tucker and company are great recruiters, tenacious recruiters, but you also have to believe that they're good talent evaluators. And so that's why we can talk about Dante Moore and you know whether they would take another quarterback or not. But like they took Bo Edmondson's commitment now, and they didn't have to let him do that. Yeah. So we've talked about how there are culture changes that the fan base sort of has to get used to. Uh, a lot more action in the transfer portal, both in and out. Um, a lot more activity on social media. It used to be in the Antonio days when it was one quarterback per class. That was the guy for that class. That was that. Other programs out there do take classes occasionally with one with you know more than one quarterback, or they'll take a second quarterback and the first one will decommit. Do you think? Do you think that this is a? I mean, the program if Dante Moore wants to commit is it's going to accept that. Yes, they will take so, that commitment. The question is, what does that mean? I, I mean, I guess we'll find out, hopefully. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, I mean, we, there's actually a lot of questions because I think we're over on scholarships right now, too. That's another fun thing that's happening. Mm. Um, I have a feeling that'll work, work itself out. Maybe we yeah. can move over a, a basketball scholarship. Yeah, maybe. Um, but the, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I think it, it works itself out. You know, I'm, I'm sure... Either way, I, I to to your point, like yes, that becomes an uncomfortable conversation potentially, or maybe maybe they're happy to take two quarterbacks because the reality is they're probably going to see some attrition from their current class anyway. Mm-hmm. So you know you're, you're fine with it, um, but it you, yeah, you, you take the commitment from a five star in state guy if if he wants to commit, but I I I I want to I really wanted to single out that like they're in on Dante Moore maybe not leading, but they're in on him and hope to close him. I mean, he was taking photos with Izzo like two days before Bo Edmondson committed. Mm-hmm. But the staff doesn't take this commitment unless they would be very happy that he was here. Yep, like if definitely. he wasn't number two on the board, right, then, you know, they don't take this commitment. So, because it was much later in the cycle that we got Kate Hauser's commitment last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they took a quarterback commitment early 
that they're really so I just like to your point you you don't want to like take away from Bo I know everyone's thinking about Dante Moore but like you have to trust that the staff has evaluated this tape and thinks they got a really good one here yeah I mean to date there is no reason to doubt this staff and its ability to to evaluate talent yeah so um very exciting yeah so on this subject i would just say that i think picking up a quarterback is also a selling point to the rest of the class you know that uh that other kids want to know like you know your wide receivers and your running backs might be curious about who all they could be playing with um as much as we think for instance kate hauser might be the guy someday you don't know that like bo edmondson could be the next best thing uh, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, it basically, it sets itself up for whoever the guy is between Kate and Hauser and whatever comes from this class, whether it's Bo here, whether it's Bo plus one, minus Bo, whatever it is. I mean, that window, those guys, that's the battle for the next starting quarterback at Michigan State. Maybe Hamp Fay finds himself in the mix. Maybe Hamp Fay does. Maybe. <laughs> But yeah, I, you know, yes. And that's, that's why I think too, when people are, are fretting about this is that you, you probably are going to lose a quarterback or two. So like it, it, we should just be happy with this. Like this is a really big pickup. And seriously, if anyone has taken the time to watch some of this tape, dude can make some throws like really hard throws and under a lot of pressure. So um, this is, this is a big win and it's, and it's something to recruit off of and, and it's a pickup out of a, Again, like a pickup out of Texas, um, with yeah, this is this is a good this is a good one. This is a really good one. So speaking of dudes making hard throws, Bengals are up four points with one minute fifty one to play, and they've got uh, the ball. Poor Matt. All right, uh, you want to talk some shooty hoops? Let's talk some shooty hoops. Aren't you glad that we're recording now and not after the Wisconsin game? Yeah, I think we should. Here's what I think we should do, Kevin, because I, I want to I, I think we got to do some things to spice up the way we talk about basketball. And so I think we should talk about the Wisconsin game a little bit. Yeah. And well, I think no one wants to dwell on the Wisconsin game. Here's, right. But I think we should take a moment to clown on ourselves because we had a conversation after the Wisconsin game wherein you and I took turns being absolutely apoplectic about the future of Michigan state basketball. Did we have a signature, uh, February Michigan state meltdown? <laughs> we, honestly, we need to create a cocktail that we drink that when this happens again, it's just like bourbon straight up. That's well, I think it needs to be something worse than that. That makes you feel terrible. So the sort of just slap yourself for saying this because it happens. So every in year. fairness to us, it was bad. Yes. This was not a good game. If those of us that have been watching MSU for long enough now knew that it was either going to take a complete meltdown on the part of Wisconsin, which I hate that program, but in fairness to them, they don't do a lot of complete meltdowns, especially against us. Or it was going to take some transcendent individual effort from our team in a way that really only Malik Hall can do. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, in fairness, you know, he gave it a shot, Malik. And then he got pulled, Kevin. And then he got yanked. (laughs) So. All right. So let's let's dig in here a little bit. okay? Um, so Michigan State comes out 
And that first half was ugly. It was bad. They, they shot 32% from the floor, 0% from behind the arc. The Greck uh, rule was in effect of just like have it within 10 at yeah. halftime. Uh, Marcus Bingham, I think, was the only highlight at, I think he had 11 first half points. Um, you know, but like you look at some of this, these stat lines, like Marcus Bingham only pulling down two boards, like that's gross. So, so the first half was abysmal. The second half, much better, kind of. 50% from the floor, 33% from behind the arc. That's still not great on three-point shooting, particularly for the whole night. Um, I think most alarming was the point guard play. Mm-hmm. Um, so between Tyson Walker and AJ Hogard. Well, they were just uh, saving up for the next game. Yeah, well, That's between the both of them, they had eight points. Um, and two assists. I mean, that's bad for one player. (laughs) So, well, in fairness, AJ Hogart had seven of those eight points. All right. So, yeah. Let's switch then. So then it was bad game. Not great. Destroy the tape on that one. Things did not work out. But then there's a redemption. Yeah. This week at Spar- at uh, Breslin Center. Wait, hold uh, hold on. Before we get to Indiana, I want to talk yeah. about what the conversation was out of that Wisconsin game because I think it informs what happened with Indiana. So the the complaints were: How is Malik Hall not playing more? Because, that continues to be the complaint. Sh- sure. And the other question was around the point guards and. Or is there going to be a change? Like, is there going to be a change to the starting lineup? Mm-hmm. And then that happened. It did. At, and not only did it happen at Indiana, but also the 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 systematic switching out at certain time intervals also stopped. Because people will remember that Tom was essentially pulling like two thirds of the team after the three minute mark. Well, what was the someone? And I wish I had this this citation. Someone pointed out that there were more um, twenty four lineups to twenty two made buckets. Yeah, made buckets. That's yeah. So Tom goes back to Brez or comes back to Brez and says, "I'm going to do something different." Uh, so yes, Indiana. AJ Hogarth gets the start has a terrific first half. I mean, incredible, right? Yep. Uh, He ends the game with 14 points, four rebounds, eight assists to two turnovers and a steal. Um, I mean, that, that first half from him was incredible. Um, And then it was the Tyson Walker show in the second half. Rams just scored, by the way, with a minute. 25 left. Hey, Kevin, we're, we're here recording a podcast. Well, I think it's important that the podcasters know exactly what time the, the, the audience knows exactly what time we're listening to this. Um, it, this is essential information. They might not know what happens in the last minute and a half of the Super Bowl. So you're they might have no idea. Uh, so point guard play completely turns around, right? Uh, great first half from Hogard. Great 
second half from from Walker. This game, the Indiana game, was just the the point guard game entirely. I mean, they pl- they both played so well in 29 this points game. between the two of them. And, and Kevin Tyson Walker took 10 shots. Yes, that was the next place I was going. Six from behind the arc and including a reminiscent of Cassius, like jab step, mm-hmm. backed up, took the three, put the nail in the coffin. And he seemed so thrilled with himself after it happened. And I, I know. Do I, that, Tyson. <laughs> Do I don't that. get like, bro, you're the only guy that doesn't expect this of you, apparently. We, like, like, we all believe you can do it. Like, unlike, and I know Joey Hauser has come around a lot, but like, mm-hmm. there was a time this year when we didn't believe Joey Hauser could do the things that he's been doing. We all believe Tyson Walker can do these things. Yeah. And, and when he reacted in that way, I was like, man, I'm happy for you. But like, we've been looking for this for a minute now. Right. Come on. Let, let's do this more. Let's have this more, please. Um, but he seemed to really respond to come out, to coming off the be- the bench. Um, so like. The other thing, uh, and I wish we had Plum here for this, is like, God, the free throws, man. How they were great these, in the Wisconsin game, too. How about these free throws, huh? Yeah. In some ways, the point guard play and the free throws won this game uh, because it was not always a 20-point blowout. There were times yeah. where it was a little bit trickier than that. At like the 10-minute mark, in the second half, if I recall, like it got down to, it was like a five point game, something like that at that point. But point guard play held, um, free throws held, uh, Indiana dribbled down their leg with their free throw percentage. Um, and, uh, it was, it was encouraging. Can we, I want to talk about one other thing in this game because it doesn't show up so electrically on the stat line. Mm-hmm. But notably, um, Gabe Brown, 15 minutes, but more interestingly, Jade Nakin's 21 minutes. And he only had four points and two boards, but you can't watch that game and not see that he Jade had a big Nakin's impact yeah. everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. In that. I mean, locked down on defense for the most part. Um, He's not getting credited with boards that he's like tipping out to other people. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just y- you can in the same way that you can tell that Malik Hall next year is probably going to be a monster. You can Oops. see it coming with Jaden Akins. Yeah. I mean, Malik Hall is kind of the closest oh. thing that we have to a monster right now. Oh, and, I, no, I know. And he played 24 minutes now. In fairness. It's- that was the second most minutes of anyone on the team. <laughs> Still, what is going on with this situation? <laughs> yeah, is, I, I don't I don't know if it's a conditioning thing or it's a Joey's feelings thing. I mean, the, the problem is, is that it's not like Joey Hauser played poorly. Like, in no. fairness, you I don't know that I want to take all those minutes away from Joey Hauser because he does a lot of really great things when he's out there, mm-hmm. despite how much hate was given to him by this podcast early on in the season, but he's, he's playing a role really well right now. He is. He is. 
But the problem yes. is, is that your best player, undeniably, and the, the, the person most capable of taking over a game is at the same spot. Because uh, what is going on with Gabe Brown at this point? I don't know, man. What are we doing? Upper deck jerk guy. What are we doing? What do we think about Gabe's, Gabe's game? What are I, we doing I mean, with this? The, the milk carton jokes that we've made about Gabe before are, are there. Except he's just missing more often. The problem is he's not absent entirely. He's very present with his misses. Because <laughs> he was 0 for how many attempted shots in this game? Six? Over 0 for 7? Over 4? Yeah. It felt like over 1,000, basically. Only 15 minutes. I mean, some of it was foul trouble. But... Also, we got to talk about the officiating. Well, we got questions about that, but... Um, I don't know. I mean, you also saw minutes from Pierre Brooks that were not bad. Like no. he made some nice plays. There were a lot of times where Pierre Brooks and Jay Nakins were on the floor at the same time, if I'm not mistaken, which was, I was surprised by, uh, I guess that's a, a function of Jay Nakins playing 21 minutes. That's more than half of the game. So, um, it I seems mean, possible that. And I know that they play different positions. I was just talking about like having that level of inexperience on the floor yeah. at the same time. Um, and uh, then Kevin, one of our conversations, though, because I think this freshman sort of wave is interesting. One of the conversations we had post Wisconsin was about like, well, sh- shit, it's pretty much the exact same team next year. Mm-hmm. But I think you're seeing some things out of these freshmen that that bode well for the future. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Um, no, uh, no, that was good. I, and I, I liked what we saw from Pierre Brooks. Um, I was happy with that time. I was happy with a lot of the performance in this game. And I know, you know, it's easy to say that in a 15 point blowout. Um, it, when we talk about how next year's team might be this year's team. Does that include Made Sissoko, who got three minutes, including he. I believe I swear if he was I out was, there for more than three minutes, though. I'm not so sure about that. Um, he walked off the floor when the scrubs came out. Um, and then they were like, no, the, the, you're in this. Yeah, you're rotation. one of this. Go back out. <laughs> he had to like walk back on the floor again. That was one of the benefits of being there. Thank you, listener Mike Jones, uh, for inviting me to the game. Very much appreciate that. Um, does this team have Madi Sissoko on it next year? I mean, I would ask you, does Marcus Bingham come back next year? I don't. We've had this conversation privately, and this is speculation. I know that there are two open seats on this team for Gabe and Bingham. I don't think either of them are coming back, but if it makes sense for one of them, I think it's Bingham. Yeah, I, I think if Marcus Bingham comes back then no if marcus bingham leaves then i think you have to keep Madi. well you gotta look at the portal well oh oh for sure yes because you need to replace marcus bingham and Madi sissoko is not going to do that no he is not but no I, i i think there's a place for him probably in the same role um that he currently occupies but you know uh, uh, fouling. Yes. That's, <laughs> Throwing that's, body. 
<laughs> That's that is the role. Uh, though, if we're talking about fives, it is worth noting. I think this was Julius Marble's best game. You think it was his best game? Yes, because I mean, I was happy it, for him to have those 24 minutes that he played, but it you was think his, this was his best game. It, he was very good on defense against Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, I mean, okay. it, like it because that's the thing. Julius Marble can go, you know, 100 percent from the field, but he's usually has looked like a giant liability on, on defense. the defensive side. And half the time, no more. 90% of the time, the team doesn't play through Julius enough, who is really good down low. Yeah, he's got so, some moves. So they don't utilize him enough to make his offensive upside, you know, balance out his defensive downside. So I, I will take his six points with his nine boards, Kevin, and a great defensive performance. Like, you don't see that rebounding out of Julius normally. And you don't, I mean, the, well, you don't see that rebounding out of this team normally. Now is Indiana a good rebounding team? Probably probably not, but that hasn't stopped us from screwing up before. They actually, they seem like a okay rebounding team. If I'm looking at this correctly, I'm, I'm looking at their stats. Isn't this fun? Um, they are a passable rebounding team. I mean, especially we, on we defense. got out rebounded by Minnesota, who was dead last yep. in all 334 teams. So, I mean, so it, I will I will just say that like nine boards out of Julius Marble and good defense that that could be this could potentially be Julius Marble turning the corner into something really special if he can if he can duplicate it because Tracy Jackson Davis is an excellent post player. Yeah. I mean, the, he was the guy that you kind of penciled into Big Ten Player of the Year type conversation um, yeah. for this year. Not not like anointing him of that, but it, he was heavily in consideration yeah. there. Um, so, I mean, and he's had a fine season, you know, don't want to take it away from him. Uh, so what's your state of the state right now? If if you were governor of Michigan State Athletics and, and you, I am. I am. Yep. I think of you that way. What? Because <laughs> we're going to preview these games. This is getting into the home stretch now. I mean, there's an away game at Penn State that we're going to cover, a home game against Illinois, but then it's at at AIM, at Iowa, at, you know, home against Purdue, that, you know, stupid game that we decided to actually let happen against Michigan, going to Ohio State, like, there are some games coming up. It is the stretch of this schedule. What do you think when you look at this team, given that we just saw some of the worst of times, some of the best of times of the season, where are you at? Uh, so a, f- a few things. I'll break it down here. First, let's talk Big Ten title real quick. Because I think wrote that off entirely after the then, loss uh, against Wisconsin. And then, and then somehow you know. Purdue shit the bed. <laughs> against truly a team that is maybe like became a bubble team because of that game. Uh, so went from NIT to maybe, maybe. Um, so I, I thought those aspirations were dead. This may literally be like the Cassius Tillman team that backs their way into a, a shared title. Um, I don't know, man. The, but I'm just saying, 
I'm just <laughs> saying there's an opportunity there. You can't close the book on it entirely. Sure. It's true that you can't close the book on it entirely. But because someone, you, have, you have Purdue at home and you have Illinois at home. But if I were to look at the hardest games on the schedule, oh, yeah, you've got a few of them coming up. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm just, so I'm just, I'm just putting it out there that I think I thought that was dead and we should not even consider it. But I would say it is back on the table. That said, I would not change the perspective on this team, which is literally you need to do what you can between now and the tournament to just get better. Yeah. So it is also true that those games that you've got to win, like especially against Illinois and Purdue, those are home games. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You get an opportunity to make statement wins on your home court against the teams that you need to beat to get that that banner. So it's not impossible, but you can start climbing some seed lines here. Yeah. Um, but so the, the, here's the thing. What I, what's nice about recording when we do is that we, we weren't all despondent after the Wisconsin win or loss. Sorry. But I think it's equally foolish to say, well, shit, man, everything's fixed now. So I, well, I yeah, want to see I, of the last three games, two of the worst games of the season. Right. And so uh, it was nice to see happened. good point guard play from both point guards. Mm-hmm. But I need to see that again. Like, I, if you told me Tyson Walker went one for 10 from the field, I'd be like, thank God he took 10 shots. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the stuff I need to start seeing. I, I'm, I'm okay with a team having a bad shooting night. But like, did they play hard on offense and did they play hard on defense and just shots didn't fall? Like, that's that's the thing I need to see from this team on a night in, night out basis. I mean, that is kind of what happened against Wisconsin until the well. No, oh, no, I would of, say they did not play hard. They did against not play Wisconsin. hard. I take it back. Rut- Rutgers, I would say we just got housed on the road. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, Rack no attack. one has shot even near that percentage. Like it, it just that that stuff happens. But the Wisconsin game. Yeah, that was pathetic. I'm about, I, I, I'm on board. Uh, so I need to see I need to see uh, a, a similar performance to this against Penn State. That's what I need to see for me to say that I'm going to move the needle from state of the state of like, I don't know what's going on here to maybe there's something going on here. That's kind of fun. Because um, right now, I there's the you can't come off this Indiana game and say, well, yeah, I think we're back to a sweet 16 conversation. Or better, like this. This t- if if you had asked me the day before the Indiana game, I'd say this team's probably making an exit the first weekend. I kind of am still there right now that this is a first weekend team, but but th- there's opportunities to change your there mind. There are opportunities, absolutely. absolutely. And I think if you can if you can just dominate Penn State, then that will take me somewhere to saying. This is not a first weekend team anymore. Like you need to clean up the garbage that's in front of you. Indeed. Anything else? We're going to preview games against Penn State and Illinois in just a sec. But anything else on this basketball team before we talk about other sports happening? Uh, I just want to flip it. I want to give you the the bandwidth to say, where's your state of the state? I a lot of the same similar ends um i'm very encouraged with what we just saw to the point guards um in this one game 
but I am concerned that the the flaws of this team are going to come right back up again. Uh, I think this. Do you think AJ Hogard starting sticks? It has to for another another game at least. I would think right. You've got to keep doing he it. Until it's broken. He didn't perform in any sort of way in this game that tells me you know toss the keys back to to Tyson Walker and Tyson Walker seemed to respond to coming off of the bench at the same time. Yeah. Um, Maybe, you know what? Here's the, here's my state of the state. Tom, let's get Malik some more minutes, man. Why in the world is this guy not playing 30? Yeah. At least 27. Like I I know that's only three more minutes, but come on, man. I know also, he gets beat on defense occasionally, and I know maybe the rebounding numbers could be a little bit better than him, but the team plays better when he is on the floor, and that so is just the fact of the matter. So, speaking of teams playing better... Uh, well, last thing, Kevin. I yes. liked all the shit-talking from the team. Oh, yeah! We didn't even talk about AJ Hogard getting walked off the floor. Well, we've got questions about it, but Malik Hall was running his mouth a lot too. Malik's I like been AJ doing Hogard that over the last, I don't know, yeah, this season I, basically. AJ was also yelling at people. Like, I mean, AJ was just really excited about basketball, and then got, and then was punished for it for his enthusiasm for the for the sport. And I'm I think just, it's disgusting. I I just hopeful that this team can bring if if they can bring that fire to every game mm-hmm. then i'm not worried about this team anymore um you know who else wasn't worried on saturday was aj hogard again shout out shout out listener mike jones for the uh invitation but uh aj hogard did not seem to be bothered to be walked off the floor of this game <laughs> at all he's like i'm now, good here no, granted, it happened with like three minutes to play when they were up fifteen. But um, still, uh, I uh, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I like a little chippiness. Uh, I did too. I I enjoyed I enjoyed the talking. Um, mm-hmm. It was nice. All right, yes. Uh, let's talk some other sports. Um, huge victory for the women's team over Michigan, number four Michigan in uh, in the shooty hoops. We'll take it. Congratulations, Susie and team. Big win. Uh, new hire for the volleyball. Kevin, do you happen to have that pulled up? Um, come on, man. I, come on. But, uh, give me a link. Give me a link. Uh, All right, it's Leah Johnson. Yeah, uh, she's from like Missouri Valley Conference or something. Yeah, she's come from Illinois State University. Illinois State, okay. Uh, who she just had one of the most successful five year stretches in their program history. Um, it is, you know, a big win that apparently Alan Haller had to do some selling on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because the facilities are not great. In fact, I'd go so far as to say they're bad. Um, what are you trying to say about Jenison Fieldhouse? It's not just the Fieldhouse, man. It's it's like all the stuff that goes into like what your locker room looks like. And um, well, there is a grand plan for Jenison, right? It's not it, so there. If you want to go back, dear listener, if you haven't seen this, and maybe you have, there is a video of Alan Haller walking through all the facilities upgrades that are planned for the next year. And my 
or the next you know foreseeable future. And my understanding is that funding is in hand for the football building. I could be mistaken about that, but I think they have started the exploratory phase for you know what it means to move the tennis courts and build that facility and do all that stuff. But um, included in that is a full refurbishment of the uh, Jenison Field House to really suit it for uh, women's volleyball and wrestling. So, sorry, as you were saying. Oh, well, so, yes, that there was some selling that had to be done on that front. Um, What's crazy is that that she had just signed a five-year extension at ISU. Um, So, truly poached her. she led ISU to five straight postseason tournament appearances, um, including four consecutive NCAA tournament appearances uh, and three straight uh, conference championships. Mm-hmm. Um, and her winning percentage in her five seasons as coach uh, puts her seventh best in M- Missouri Valley Conference history. So, look, I think this is a great hire. I mean, we'll see if it pans out, but this is the sort of you know, elevating someone to a, a bigger conference higher here, that could be a real game changer and, and taking a chance on someone who it's not even, I mean, she's got a proven track record of, of winning. Um, and she's moving to a conference that runs women's volleyball. Yes. Yes. And that's, and that's the thing is that it, it is, this is an exciting hire because it's a, it, there's no reason you can't sell and recruit to the sport here at Michigan state. Mm-hmm. And Part of that, though, is facilities, right? So So I've actually been recently, just before COVID times, uh, to a women's uh, volleyball game here at Michigan State, and it does have the feeling of a high school event, (laughs) just sort of that exists at Jenison. You walk in the door, and there are like stands that are up around the the floor, and it... But but people come. Yeah, I mean, there there had to have been a couple thousand people there, I would say. Yeah, I think 5,000 is not crazy to see at a volleyball match at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, anyway, this is this is an exciting hire. And, you know, this is a, I think Nebraska, relatively speaking, runs this sport. Um, it's like their one contribution to the Big Ten. Other than yeah. being annoying. Is that a contribution? Did, was it Penn State that just won the national championship, though? Maybe. Or was I believe. Wisconsin, whatever they're all most red so who cares but anyway nebraska is very good historically speaking yeah um so anyway great hire very exciting love it let's talk some hockey though uh because they are coming off of an zero and eight streak of and you don't it's bad and it's bad. getting housed at uh little caesar's arena by in-state rival michigan um in a way that wasn't not even competitive. It was over. <laughs> it was over in the first period. So when Michigan had their best players at the Olympics. <laughs> oh man. And that concluded a season sweep of the university of Michigan over MSU on all of the, you know, conference games. So We've been sort of teasing this over the course of the season. Now, neither of us are that knowledgeable in hockey. So we'll have to bring in, uh, you know, someone that does know a little bit better than us at some point here in the near future. But it does not look good for Dan Cole 
right now, does it? No. And, you know, I, I know folks have pointed out that, like, it's a depth problem that he has. You know, because he had, what, two really massive injuries this year. Um, but at the same time, if you're talking depth, part of the appeal of Danton Cole was supposed to be his connection with the U.S. development team. And I don't believe he's brought in any of those guys or maybe just one of those guys. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, I think Danton Cole gets another year, mm-hmm. but I think it's fair to say that he's very much on the hot seat. Uh, what's that contract look like? I mean, there's no way either of us know that answer, but it's gotta be kind of coming up into that Tom and Astis, like maybe we just don't renew this type of type of time. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's probably about that time, but the, the problem is I don't know that restarting and resetting is going to get hockey back and you got to make a home run higher at that point in time. So I don't, Dan, Dan Cole needs to have a plan, but whatever the plan is, it's, it's not, it's not working right now. Yeah. It, this is a program that is is feeling a little dead in the water. And that's not entirely Danton Cole's fault. Um, I'd say it's largely not his fault. Yeah. I mean, you, you, they recruit those kids so young. You don't know how, how, when they're going to pan out, if they're going to pan out, but like, I mean, we were in college, Kevin, the last time we were in college. When Abdelkader was celebrating a Stanley cup victory. (laughs) Like, it's no, been, that's well, not true. That's not true. Is oh, it? it was it was it was just after college that that happened. Yeah, it was. We were just in after college. Co- we were in college when Advocator won was, a national yes. championship. That was very unexpected that season. By the yes. way, yes, I remember being in college and reading the state news. But like, hey, the guys are going to the tournament. Ah, what do you expect? <laughs> and. What do you know? Over winter break, I'm watching the team in the national championship game. Um, But uh, even at that time, it seems like a total fluke. And the program did not seize on that opportunity. And we're not we're not ancient, ancient, but like that's a while ago by way of. Program relevancy, though, at the same time, that is the university's most recent national championship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if Danton Cole was making a final four every four years, I don't think we'd have this problem. That's true. That's true. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, hockey looks dead in the water for this year. I think Slash next year, most years, <laughs> you know, well, you, you can hope hope springs eternal in East Lansing. Uh, but I, I, I mean, you got to start having the conversation at some point if things don't look uh, sunnier. So, uh, but yes, we should get someone who knows more on to maybe correct us, but I don't think we're wrong on this, man. Um, Anyway, you want to do some previewing? Yes. So two games this week. Um, First game going on the road to Penn State. Now, Penn State is uh, fine. I mean, they're they're fine. 
Penn State, Ken Palm 88. We're talking 129 on offense, adjusted defense, 54. So not spectacular. This is a, a game that you would expect that any kind of team that is in any kind of Big Ten contention to win. So they have lost three in a row, um, lost to Wisconsin, lost to Michigan, lost to Minnesota. Those games were competitive, though for what it's worth. Um, so the Iowa game not, was competitive too with a win. Yeah. This two overtimes. Um, but that is their only win in the last eight games. Um, <laughs> but they've also been playing, they've been playing like relatively tough teams, like playing in Iowa, playing in Wisconsin, playing in Michigan, playing in Minnesota, um, uh, on the road, you know, playing in the barn. So, um, I, I don't know what the line is for this game, but I would bet it's somewhere in the three, four range. Does that seem fair to you? Do we have that up? I don't have it up. Uh, what is Torvik? Put it out. I don't know, but okay. it, it doesn't, I would bet. And I would say this with a fairly high level of confidence. Uh, it's in the three, four range. Um, but they, they've got some guys that are older. Like this is a team that if it's important, one, 2.1 is what Tar- Torvik has it at. Okay. I would have thought it would be a little bit more than that, but okay. Um, th- I mean, they've got some seniors over there. They've got Harar. They've got Pickett. They've got um, Sessmans. Sessmans, I think. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is a winnable game, um, but in a game that you really have to win if, if you're going to be um, in in contention to the uh to the big Ten championship the good news is as much as msu sucks at turnovers this penn state team also sucks at turnovers so this could be just like a uh just like a rip roar and like a type of game yakety sacks yeah uh we'll see how this goes but um Going on the road, MSU, I mean, I'm trying to think back, like fair amount of success going on the road to Happy Valley of of late and um, should be a win. Has to be a win, really, at this point, if there's going to be any kind of uh, any kind of uh, momentum, because the more important part of the season is the next game. Anything you want to say about Penn State before we go to Illinois? No. All right, so the following game, next Sunday, Saturday, um, at home, at Breslin Center, get there. It was, it was very nice being at a game. Again, thank you, Mike Jones, uh, the better Mike Jones. Um, but this is probably, hey I mean, the Michigan game is important, but this is probably. If, if you're much, interested in the Big Ten title, this is the most important game. Yeah. So, of course, Kofi Coburn uh, is kind of the dude on that team. Um, Alonzo Plummer, also very, very good. Trent Frazier. Um, you know this team. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the Big Ten, this is a team that you know. And this is a team that's been playing pretty well. I mean, they had that loss to Purdue, but they just went and beat Northwestern. They got a big win against Indiana. They've got a win against Wisconsin. I mean, 
in the way that MSU has sort of been playing poor games and then it, there's an outlier with a big win against Indiana, it's more like this Illinois team has been playing really well and then there's that outlier against Purdue. So it's, uh, I mean, I, I don't know necessarily who's going to be favored in that game. In fact, I would be kind of surprised if Illinois wasn't favored by one or two. They're favored um, by one, according to Torvik. Okay. Um, so technically point four. that would be, that makes sense to me, but if you are feeling comfortable and the good people of the Breslin center where we're good and masked in my experience on Saturday, um, and you can make it to East Lansing and you want to see a big 10 game, uh, go ahead and make your way on up to this one. Cause this is a must win. If you want to put another, another banner in the, uh, in the in the rafters over there at the Jack Breslin. Um, anything else about this one? I mean, Illinois is a team that if it has a weakness, turnovers are that weakness. Yeah, I, I think the other thing is that as much as was made about the loss to Illinois before, which was a close game, mm-hmm. you know, it, but the, the comment was that they were out without Corbello and, and Cockburn or Co- Coburn. Um, I can't believe I said that. Um, I mean, it ended up being a close game. It was not right. But here's, here's what I was going to say is that in terms of usage, Curbelo and Coburn are disgustingly, you know, their usage stats are, are insanely high are out of control. Yeah. So the, the difference in how you defend, defend Illinois when those two players aren't around is quite different because the ball gets spread around a lot more. Like you could make an argument to me that is somewhat convincing that, that Illinois presents more complicated challenges without those two players, because Mm -hmm. they're, they're going to score from a lot of different places, but you know, now like the, the, I will say this, Tom Izzo normally has pretty good defensive plans when there's a dominant big man. Mm. And it usually involves let them do what they're going to do. Like defend them, defend them hard, but like we will settle for the, the two point contested two point bucket over what, you know, people draining it from, from outside. So that may mean that you see, you know, Alfonso Plummer uh, have a less effective game. Trent Frazier, a less effective game. So you could see a Kofi Coburn tends to is like a black hole in some ways and just sort of sucks everything into him and is not historically great at passing out. No, dude's a dunk machine. He just so and and I mean, you look at him and you're like, that's reminiscent of like Shaq when he was in college. Mm-hmm. Not that good, but like you you see the comparison. So I I would just I would just say. Anyone who thinks automatically we're going to get housed by Illinois because they beat us before without their best players, I would just posit that it is a very different game plan when when Kofi Coburn is there. And it may have been that's really what we prepared for. And he just wasn't there. And so then you you didn't plan accordingly. And critically, Tom Izzo can tie and pass Bob Knight this week for all time Big Ten wins. If yeah. if he closes this week out, which is wild, 
Yes. Because I remember there were times, like I think I remember when Drew Neitzel presented him with the 300 win jersey. And he was like, yeah, but Bobby Knight's got like a billion and a half and you'll never see. And now, now here we are. Here we are. Here we are. And I think, you know, y- you've got to know that when it happens, that is going to mean a lot to Tom Izzo. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, I mean, what's cool is that he could do that at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Actually, uh, oh, we're at Iowa, and then home against Purdue. Yikes! I hope he doesn't have to do that on the road. Um, it would be fun to do it though, as you know, at Purdue. Boiler this. Well, no, Purdue's at home. Oh, perfect. Uh, um, but yeah, so uh, big week, big week for Tom, big week for the program. But these and are the if games you come out. If you come out 2-0, and I think, Kevin, you and I are having a very different conversation next week. Okay. I look forward to it. Um, Anything else before we we move on to these Twitter questions? Let's do Twitter questions. Reminder, if you want to participate in Twitter questions, you can engage uh, on Twitter at Spartan underscore pod or on Instagram at Spartan underscore pod or email at can'treadcan'twrite1855 at gmail.com. Please like, rate, and review the show. Uh, Kevin, that's enough. Question for you from from the Kinski. This goes. You were there. No, this. You were there. You get this one. I didn't watch the game. Cliff notes in four sentences. Uh, all right, four sentences, and I'm going to keep these brief sentences. Um, so there was a change in starting point guard. It seemed to work. Uh, Malik Hall had himself a bit of a match, but he's still playing a uh, amount of minutes that I don't fully understand. Um, AJ Hogard, uh, really enjoys playing basketball almost too much to the point where the refs, uh, didn't even want to see him. He was having so much joy. And, uh, I think Dane Fife came back to the place that he coached for 10 years and no one said a word to him. (laughs) It's kind of the impression that I get. We, We didn't even talk about Malik Hall's over the backboard shot. Oh my god, that was wild. Which I think technically was supposed to be out of bounds. And it was oh, uh, okay. That's the beauty it, of being there. I didn't know if, that. But if it goes if it goes over the backboard, I think technically that's out of bounds. Mm. Uh and it was a really opportune shot too. Like that was at a time where Indiana was was kind of surging a little bit, if memory serves. Yeah. Anyway. Keith Ski, there's your uh, Cliff Notes. Uh, next up, from the Dan Hellpepper, Jonesy, see why is it Indiana was the worst in an earlier Twitter question? Everyone guess uh, what Hogard said to get tossed. I say he was ironically uh, complimenting. Yes. Mike Woodson's goatee die job was the, the rest of that. Ah, it was a whole uh, second part down there that I didn't see before. Uh, I don't know what this is because I was watching from the stands. What's Mike Woodson's goatee die job? What was happening oh, there? It, no, it's just. It's it's just it's surprisingly rich in color for his age. And for a man who it's just surprisingly rich in color for his age. And for a man who lets his assistant coaches get further out on the floor than uh, than he does. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I I um I maintain that Hogard was just saying I love basketball. Basketball basketball is fun. He was just saying basketball is fun, and that was that set Mike Woodson off. I think what he was saying was go get that basketball. Let's have that basketball. Let's uh, go, next up, Carl, MSU basketball denier. Uh, I clapped loudly after that play. Can I get teed up too? So can, for those who maybe missed the game uh, or had their, their DVR uh, cut the game off early, what was the play that uh, that, Tyson, uh, that that led to A.J. Hogard clapping so much? Uh, I think it was uh, some kind of tie-up. I, I don't know. I it it all kind of blends together. Um, it must have it been was, the under four timeout. It was good. It was good basketball plays, though. Okay. Uh, sorry, Carl. MSU basketball denier. I I do not I do not recall exactly what the play was. But listener Mike Jones asks host Mike Jones, "When are we going to a basketball game? Everyone else on the pod has gone to a game with me." Uh, listener, Mike Jones, if you want to, uh, do a rack attack sometime or perhaps a happy Valley, um, I'm, I'm more than down. I'm more than down. Otherwise, down. uh, you know, probably hopefully next year, hopefully next year I get to go to the Brez. Yeah. We got to get you in town. We, we got to have similar to what we did for the football game. Like we got to have, I wanted to do it, but then Omicron was surging and it just, yeah. You know, We'll have like some kind of bar meetup that everyone's welcome to join us at. I don't know, like a like a Harrison's pub or something. Um, that feels that, that feels right for us. Yes, that is on brand. Uh, next up from listener Mike Jones, why is Mike Woodson soft as puppy shit? I've never seen a guy cry so much after someone clapped. Guy was crying about everything. He apparently doesn't know what coach's box what the coach's box is either. He fits that fan base really well bunch of bitches well listener mike jones i would just say let's not let's not throw stones like sometimes tom forgets where the the coach's box is this is what happens you're the dean of coaches that box doesn't apply to you yeah i mean i do feel like if if he does pass bob knight he should be able to like bring some duct tape out and just Make his own box. Yeah, it, it includes on the floor, up to the scorer's box or scorer's bench. Yeah, and I'll I'll point out, listener Mike Jones. I mean, there are other coaches in the Big Ten that think it's appropriate to go out on the floor while uh, the game is being played, or think that it's appropriate to, to chase after the lives a... of other uh, coaches. <laughs> um, in fact, and be so abusive that said coaches have to leave the league. Yeah, but I mean, that's just where that's just where he's from, you know. It, that's just how such a crush i hate it um next up from uh from listener mike jones finally aj hogard has been ejected in every game he started this season (laughs) safe to say he should go back to the reserve role so he can finish games out right (laughs) this is the stat that i live for uh listener mike jones is really good at these like uh oh we've we had some little element of this game. Let's extract. Let's take this to its logical conclusion. Yeah, it's the how, same. How extreme can I make this? It's the same with the with the Keon Coleman uh, efficiency uh, <laughs> yes. question that he had several weeks ago. Uh, which it, uh, listener Mike Jones, notably Keon's efficiency has gone down. Though, I mean, he did make it to the rack. Like, I mean, dude's got some moves. This dude's is what I, I think. It's listener Mike Jones's fault. He jinxed Keon Coleman. Mm, with that tweet mm. 
Next up, Nate C. Uh, Nate, welcome back. We, you've been missed. Yeah. Who asks, why do I care about an NCAA streak that's netted zero natties in, 2020, in 22 years? Uh, notably, for context, folks, Nate C. did ask this after we got just dunked on by Wisconsin. <laughs> so It was a darker time. Yes. But the, it remains. I'm of oh, two no. minds on this. I, it absolutely matters. I, but you go ahead. So on one hand, I I have here like, yes, this is discouraging. Zero natties in twenty two years, and to get so close so many times, and to have guys bad and luck. teams and some bad luck. You you COVID. look at a Kalen Lucas injury. You look at COVID. Um, it's tough. On the other side. Only one team wins a year, and it is tough to win the national championship. And sometimes you win the national championship and people forget about it. Like, UConn has three in the last 22 years, and no one cares. No one talks about it. Yeah. So it's that it's being present in the tournament all the time that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can take away like, winningest coach in the big 10 history and the number of tournament like that stuff matters i mean if you're not in the dance you can't win at all Mm -hmm. and so getting an invite every year matters way more way more like i mean that that is a that is a better benchmark for do you keep your coach around? Now, admittedly, you want to see that that coach get them past the first weekend on the reg, mm-hmm. which I, you know, question marks on 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 some performance lately. But like the problem is, is that it's it's so final that it's it's total. It, it, it's it's a crap. Some of it's a crapshoot. That's okay. Sometimes people go all Rutgers on you, like you just Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, it happens. Um, Speaking of being triggered, this next one from Garvert, strictly for Plum, but everyone else can weigh in if you want. You can only keep one, Ted Lasso or Schitt's Creek, who stays. First off, Garv, uh, this guy, he's not even here today. He's not even really even a host. So yeah, Garver, you should have known, oh, there's literally anything else going on on a Sunday. Plum won't be here. You should have seen this coming. Yeah. This is on you. So, I mean, I think we'll answer this question anyway. Garve, even though it's strictly for Plum. I don't know, Kevin. He said, if we want to weigh in. Well, I do want to weigh in because I question the judgment of anyone that would put Schitt's Creek up against Ted Lasso because Schitt's Creek is a very memeable, but otherwise very mediocre show. Um, with, wow. With a wow. sincerity that wishes it had the level of sincerity of Ted Lasso. Wow. It exceeds it in every conceivable way. Wow. Um, if it weren't for its gif ability, Schitt's Creek would have already been forgotten. It would have already wow. been swept away on the dust uh, of, you know, uh, just another streaming service you know, passable comedy. Wow. Um, whereas Ted Lasso, um, in terms of its, you know, approach, in terms of its comedy chops, and in terms of its like true sincerity and sentimentality, um, 
a vastly superior program in every way. Is there anything you wanted to add to that? Because no. like Schitt's Creek is a show that thought it was getting canceled. So it ended with a season with a barn dance, some garbage barn dance. Um, and then accidentally came back. I love Schitt's Creek. Oh my God. I love Schitt's Creek. I think it's fantastic. I don't know that I could choose it over Ted Lasso. Though, and this isn't so much Ted Lasso, the writer's fault, but what Apple did to them last year was a big knock on Ted Lasso. Wait, what's this? Did you watch season two yet? Yeah, I liked it. It was fine. Okay. It might not have been up to the season one standards, but it well, exceeded they, any season of Shit's Creek. They added two episodes like without. Like they ordered them later. Ah, uh, so is that the, the, two, the inside baseball track on season two of. of so the Ted Christmas Lasso? episode that doesn't make any fucking sense. And <laughs> that uh, did seem very tacked on and very like, let's have a Christmas episode, everyone. <laughs> and uh, who's the assistant coach's name? What's uh, oh, his little like fever. Yes. Evening. That, yes. So, yeah. Th- and that. I, I think those two episodes, if you watched, you know, appointment television style, those two episodes ruined the flow of that season. I will just say that. And you, you get a lot more volume out of Schitt's Creek. So, but I, you clearly have a, just, I've never heard you say so many stupid things in a row until you started talking about Schitt's Creek. Well, I just think Next that Schitt's up. Creek is a deeply mediocre show. Continuing. Prop bet of the week. Mediocre podcast host. Prop bet of the week. Number of threes made by Bingham the rest of the season versus number of Big Ten titles during the remaining year years of Tom Izzo's career. Over under at 2.5. I think this one's easier. I'm taking the over on both. I am also taking the over on both because Marcus Bingham is going to take a three-point shot a game, I think, well, on and- average. <laughs> right he's shooting over 50 percent on the season yeah yeah like he should keep taking the three i think this is becoming a bigger and bigger part of the offense and he's remaining on the floor after attempting three-point shots they are clearly drawn up yes so So, i i appreciate where you're coming from on this one garv but i think this one's i think this one's easy and i also think that tom Izzo is going to make sure that no one ever catches his Big Ten career wins. Yeah. So he's sticking around here for a while. MSU has two coaches that are Highlanders. It is not just Mel Tucker. (laughs) Uh, Next up for Mr. Neurotic Pants, uh, he says, I would like to apologize for my comments regarding Target. Target. It's deliberately misspelled. Target. Retail facilities and their parking lots. These comments led to Twitter jail. I can only hope to restore my reputation going forward. I did um, not know that he got put in Twitter jail. Uh, <laughs> I did not see what he said that led to Twitter jail. Uh, but I, good, I'm, good for you. I'm proud of you, Mr. Neurotic Pants, for having this learning moment and acknowledging it. We're going to find out that he said some like truly heinous stuff about mm. Target uh, parking lots. Next up from Mr. Neurotic Pants in Korea. Getting apoplectic and angry, gestating 
and gesticulating is known as, quote, doing the Izzo. That tracks. Yeah. Yeah. To quote Tom Izzo, last up from Mr. Neurotic Pants, we keep hammering and hammering and whittling away, and these boys are green oaks and thick, and only bushes get blown over by Hoosier fart wind. I I do love that not a question to be found. <laughs> the behind the scenes with Tom Izzo is just like expanding into real life. It's like taking things over. We've broken the fourth wall. And uh, I was blown over by Hoosier Fart Wind with these Mr. Rodic pants. I appreciate you. Uh, again, uh, the Upper Deck Jerk guy asked specifically of Alex Plum, uh, have you red carded someone for no, clapping? would you? Would, would you red card? Would you red card someone for clapping? I think we can comfortably say that the way Plum talks about officiating, yes, he would. It's deathly serious. Yeah. And if someone showed that level of joy, it would not be allowed on his pitch. Yeah, absolutely. He absolutely would. Uh, next up from the Updike Jerk Guy, should Hogard start from here on out? I, until otherwise, until he proves otherwise, I, we have to... I give deference to AJ Hogard. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, particularly if... In, in, unless, unless you get to a point where it's... Tyson Walker brings the consistency that elevates him to the 30 minutes, you know, 28 minutes a night that we, we had hoped he would get to it, Like AJ's been the better point guard for the most part. He, I mean, his lows weeks, yeah. are, are tough, but his highs have been way higher. So, um, and it doesn't seem to bother Tyson Walker at all, uh, to be coming off the bench. Yeah. Particularly if, if the message is to Tyson, like I, don't I don't need you to get other people going. AJ's taking care of that. You go out there and score. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, I'll take that. I'll take that deal. Um, speaking of deals, Updike Jerk Guy says, "What's the deal with this team? What is the deal with this team?" Ask me next week. Yeah, we're we're about to learn what the deal is with this team, Updike Jerk Guy. Uh, all right. Last up, my Maple Leaf. Noticing that your podcast editor might have knocked over the infamous scotch bottle and ruined the Twitter questions portion of the program this past week. How did you all, how did that all work for you? I I don't, it was (laughs) fine. We had an episode that was an hour. Two in a row. In fact, it was was a delight. This one's Um, not. (laughs) It's not as bad as I thought. No, 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 Um, it's not. It's not. It's not. Um, Yeah, we took a we took a week, and I think everyone feels rejuvenated. We had we had a recharge, and we're all in a better place now. Second up from Mamapaleaf, who's no longer numbering, so I'll do it for her. Uh, if uh, Izzo yelled at players for not shooting, isn't working as a motivational tool, then what's the next step? If Izzo yelling at players for not shooting isn't working, um, ah. Uh... I don't want to know. I, I truly don't. Like, it, sending Steven in, I think, is, is the answer. Like, if you're not going to put shots up, my kid will. Tyson, if you're no. not going to take that open three, Stevie's I, going in. <laughs> or, you know what? You know who will take the shot? Keon Coleman. You send Keon in. That's the answer. Because he'll take the shot. Well, he'll dribble around on the perimeter, and then he'll... Uh, <laughs> drive to the hole. Yeah, he'll drive it. Uh, <laughs> That's not different than AJ Hogard. It's fine. That's true. That's true. Although we have been seeing more shooting out of AJ. 
finally from Mamapaleaf, uh, recently the MSU debate team reached the Sweet 16, a.k.a. How does she know that? Octafinals at the last regular season tournament. The MSU debate team motto is Audi Partum Alterum. Hear the other side. When did you last heed that motto? That motto's advice? Uh, I did listen to the words Kevin said about Schitt's Creek, and then I rejected them. But did not uh, did not actually refute any of them. So that would be I a big it, L. It's, it's, that's not what this podcast is about. Also, my belief, two spaces between periods is just the worst. Um, Kevin, you got you got an answer on this? When's the last time you heeded that advice? Um, great. Well, I mean, we're we're living in an age where we get, we get to just you know retreat to our own echo chambers, and we don't have to be bothered with any of this kind of stuff. It makes my life a little a lot easier. Yeah. Except for so, that thing that I'm still wearing a mask and have to fear for my life. But, you know, but that's other just than because that, you haven't heeded the advice of the other side. Yeah, I need to hear. Have I need you, to hear that. Have more. you considered freedom, Michael? Huh? I huh? I'd, I'd like it if we could just wear the mask for a little while. Anyway, that's not the point of this podcast. Kevin, this has been fun. You know what? It, it's 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 like. It's like when the podcast gets a little slimmer, you know, you just feel a little, <laughs> a little lighter, a little lighter. It's like, uh, uh, we had this great weight in our lower intestine that's been, you know, passed off. Um, and I, every, everyone's feeling lighter and better mm-hmm. about ourselves. Cleansed even cleansed. Uh, well, big week. Uh, and you know, we'll chat through the week, but until next time, go green, buddy. Go white, Michael Jones, both listener and host. (laughs) God damn it.